Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. Today, we're discussing seasonal training, transitioning from winter training to spring training. But what does that mean? Why should our training and nutrition change with the seasons? How do we do it? Marty and Jim, we're now into March and spring is just around the corner. So take us through the thought process here on why we should consider seasonal seasonal training, how best to transition from one season to the next and how it all works. Jim, what was your thought? You had a good one. Right before we came online. Oh yeah, yeah. Coming at, uh, coming out of hibernation. You're coming out of a cave yep. like a bear, like a big old grizzly bear. Right. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. So how? So talk about yeah. the transition. What do we start thinking about? How does it all start coming into to play here? Go on, Jimmy. Well, I was just thinking, what would be the first thing that you would do? So when I, when I'm thinking about winter training, we talked about this before. That's where you put on a little bit of weight. And it's it's very natural, a very natural thing to do if you think about it. You know, you're slowing down a little bit, you're not moving as much. You have a, a taste for heavy things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the stews and the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the red meat, you know, mm-hmm. pastas and things like that. And then you're I making me hungry. I know, man. I think naturally you start to think about okay the weather's starting to turn we had a 60 degree day the other day immediately you start thinking about how you're going to look for the summer you know um and how you want to look you know so the first thing i would do would be or you're already training with the weights right first thing i would do would start with the diet right just start eliminating things slowly as we're going into spring you know you want to think about where am i going to peak here where do i want to peak so have a goal have a you know, it's uh, Ocean City on, on uh, Memorial Day, something like that, you know, so you chart that out, how many weeks you're going to train and diet for this thing. So I'm a big believer in that. It's really tough for me to say, oh, I'm just going to transform myself and not transform myself for a reason. Right. Yeah, you got to have the whole visual and everything going on. Yeah. And even if you have to manufacture it, you know, uh, I'm going to unveil, you know, my strength and with my reduced body weight on this day to my through my son or, you know, or, or anything that you can design to or make it get to a goal. You're peaking for a goal or an event. Right. Or, or, or Jim, something you might think of my whole family's in danger. If I don't lose this 10 pounds <laughs> by this, by this right. time, by this yeah. date. Yeah. So you start with a diet and then, and we can, we can talk deeper into that, but, and then you got to start since you're already weightlifting, you don't want to, you don't want us to get into the theory, the uh, thinking that, oh, I'm going to train differently with the weights and that's going to get me more defined. So that's impossible, right? So you want to stay heavy with your lifting as heavy as you can. And then you want to add cardio sessions and we can go into to more of that also. What do you think, Marty? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. We're assuming we've got a lot of assumptions going on here. Number one, that <clears throat> I always, uh, well, number one, you live in a, an area where you have, seasonal changes yeah uh jp you just came from some place that it was just pretty much the same all year round right yeah southern california now i'm living in north texas and uh, we just got out of minus two degrees <laughs> ah, there you go so you, yeah a little bit of a change it. you deserved it <laughs> uh so yeah uh, so we assume you know uh i live at the 
base of the Catoctin Mountains. So the winter to me, I always associate with the heaviest eating. Right. Right. Nothing tastes better than coming in out of the cold, you know, to some deliciousness, something long and slow, some shank of meat or some incredible fish. I, I had incredible salmon. I figured out a way to do breaded salmon where I take the skin off and it's just so incredible. Mm. And uh, all for me, you know, I just get a, you know, a pound, a pound and a quarter chunk and just do it. And it's like, wow. You were showing some meatballs the other day. <laughs> yes. So good. They were. I, in fact, I, in fact, we had one of my good friends from the Secret Service was on his way from, I don't know, stopping a terrorist attack or whatever he was on his way to doing. And he stopped off for some meatballs and pasta. <clears throat> and he commented and he goes, wow, he said, those are incredible. Said, Thank you. Beef, <laughs> pork, or a combination of both? Yeah, what's well, that? We've been experimenting. We've been experimenting. We've got access to really good organic beef. Yeah. And the fat content's high, it's, which we prefer. We don't want no 92%. We want it. You can't taste it. We want 80% at most. Okay, so you get 80, 20, right? You got 20% good quality fat. And now we've been experimenting between, oh, veal. Yes. Or a a different assortment of sausage. Mm -hmm. Quality, quality sausage, everything from like mild sage to hot Italian. So you got a lot of sausage variation. So it's like uh, organic beef and veal, organic beef and different type of sausage. And all I add is breadcrumbs and one egg. And I need the need the beep out of it. And until it's it's mixed together at that point, I just roll it into about the size of a golf ball for one egg. How much meat for one egg? Oh, half a pound. I make a pound of meatballs. I use a half a pound of ground beef and then a half a pound of either the veal and and that's ground veal or or sausage, whatever we choose to do. Egg and and the breadcrumbs. Just egg and I don't know, maybe a half a cup of breadcrumbs. I like panko breadcrumbs. So we use and you just, oh, and some, um, some of the cheap, the Parmesan cheese that you get from the store, you know. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so maybe a quarter cup of that. You you knead it up and you you knead it up, you knead it up. That's actually the hardest part is kneading it up. That takes yeah. the the longest. And I just use like a, a metal spoon. And I just chop it, chop it, chop it, keep it going, keep it going. So anyway, you finish with that. I might give it 10 or 15 minutes of kneading. Then I put it into golf ball size. Right. You roll it, everything you want to make it even steven. You can't have your, it makes, I think, five to seven, depending on how big you make them. If you make five, there's a big, that's a big meatball, buddy. Yeah. Right. If you make seven, that's good size, too. I don't like them smaller than golf ball size. No. Because no. they shrink a little bit in the cooking. So right. then I crisp them up in a pan in olive oil. Okay. Right. Which doesn't take long. And then I stick them in a 400 degree oh. oven. But here's the key. I put a meat thermometer in the side with a steel coil wire. So it coming out so I can read the temperature outside as they're 
yeah. heating up. Okay. <clears throat> when they get, if I'm putting them in sauce, I pull them at 140 to 145 because they're still going to cook longer in the sauce. If, it, if I'm just making the meatballs, if I'm taking them to completion, I let them go to 150. Wow, that's not much time because you've already crisped them. You've already had them in yeah, the Yeah. Oh, they don't. Yeah. 400 degrees, you, they're usually out in like 10 minutes. And they're perfect. Yeah, they're not all that big. Yeah. I see. I see. And, the, and they're perfect because you pull them at exactly the right time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, well, but, and, it's, and that is assuming that you get them all the same size. Oh, if you, they're different sizes and you happen to stick the thermometer in the little one, well, then the big ones are raw. Yeah. Right. So it's important to get them all the same size. But anyway, I've relearned how I forgot that I had that ability. I forgot that I had meatball ability, you know. So we're reviving it. I think we're going to call it like um, cooking so so simple a caveman can do it. You, you nice. know what I mean? But a Neanderthal or a power it, you or, know, or a power lifter could do it. Cooking why don't so we? <laughs> hey, listen. Why don't we have a podcast on this one time? Because look, we all. <laughs> we all eat fish and, and steak and all, all these, you know, yes. Uh, repeating, repeating meats. dishes, repeating dishes. And, and you're always looking for a fresh new way to make that. Well, or just the right way to make it. The right way to make it. So why don't we do a podcast one time on just that? Or why don't you write me an article once in a while on, on, I don't know, take an article and yeah, write maybe one or two dishes or something in there. But you know what would be even better? I'd be better to talk about it because if Stacey it's not, would, it's, would film Marty. <laughs> Seriously, cooking with, with MF and Marty. You know? That'd, that'd be badass. Uh, okay, uh, well, we'll work up we'll work up to that. But I see it's good. If it's interesting, it's easy to talk about because it's like it's the purposely primitive approach toward cooking. What is the simplest? All right, if Mark Chalet were making meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> how would he make these <laughs> and it'd be like they would be Very the best the, the best tasting the, the best tasting meatballs done with the fewest ingredients right for the least amount of time but they still are fantastic right and i was like all right and i have it down to five ingredients and it takes no time and i just cut away all the superfluous stuff and our, now the chicken, now we're, now we're turning out good roast chicken because after all these years, I finally saw a Jacques Pepin YouTube where he says, oh yes, uh, we turned from my mother taught me, we turned the chickens on their side. And it was like, oh my God. You know, it was like the light bulb went off. And since I've been turning them on their side, we get, we get access to good organic little, roast, little chickens, three and a half to five pounders but they're really good quality. So we have been roasting them and I mean, they, they're great. Yeah. And it's an easy thing, but it takes two and a half hours. The chicken does. Right? right, yeah, and you gotta turn it. Like every 30 minutes you turn it, you, you might set it on the side. So, and then you gotta, at 30 minutes, you gotta turn it. So now the other leg is facing up. Then you gotta put it on its back for 30 minutes. Then you put it on its breast, for 30 minutes. Damn, to Acme and buy one. Uh, now, because it comes out delicious. And again, you put the meat thermometer in and when it gets to 150 or 160, you're done. Yeah. 
you write a couple hundred words and then go check the chicken. Write a couple hundred so, words. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Jim. Exactly. Exactly. So, so Marty, where do the uh, meatballs fall into the transitory situation good here? Segue. Going from winter to... Uh, uh, very good. Well, I guess you would make them... Um, well, I think the meatballs themselves are not the problem. I think it's the sauce that I put them in and maybe the pasta I put it over. Yeah, because you're not putting okay. just the meatball itself. The only carbs in the bread comes, and that's negligible. It's yeah, uh, and again, they're delicious. I tell you what, I did the other day. Um, I put I, I like the plum uh, hoisin plum sauce, which is you get yeah, like you get what comes with uh, uh, Peking duck or roast yeah. duck. Oh, man, stuff is sweet, right? Isn't that sweet? That's delicious. It's delicious. So I put that over the meatballs. And then put the meatballs over ramen noodles, so it has like an oriental thing, mm. right? Or Asian, and, and that's Asian. Yeah, that's quick because I'm just I'm dropping pre-done meatballs into ramen. It's just like okay, this is this is really good. <laughs> JP, since you eat every two hours, who cooks? <laughs> who, who makes your food? Do you meal prep for the week? No, man. I listen. I'm real simple. You know, I'm having um, you know probably three protein shakes a day and, and three meals. meals a day. Yeah. It's, yeah. Supplement meals. Yeah, like, you know, I'll, yeah. yeah, I'll have after the gym, I'll have like a bowl of oatmeal or something with a couple of scoops of protein in it. Yeah. Then I'll have a shake after that. And then for like lunch, I'll have, I don't know, whatever's in the fridge, like a, a burger patty yeah. or something. And, uh, you know, I'll have yeah. like a burger patty and an apple or something, uh, you know, because that's, high fat content i don't want to yeah. mix that with carbs so i just have like an apple or something with it um and then it's a sh shake after that and then dinner is you know maybe some fish Whatever. and yeah. vegetables or something yeah or, vegetables at dinner yeah sometimes yeah or 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 i'll have like fish and rice or or yeah. chicken and rice brown rice this show has been hijacked by food <laughs> Yeah, so well, making, so you know what I'm making for my 14 year old is in the midst of a growth spurt and he's into lifting like crazy. In fact, James went to the gym with me three times this week at, at six o'clock in the morning before school. Oh, before I love school. that, man. Um, anyway, so every morning I wake up, I, I make him uh, eggs with cheese, you know, scrambled eggs with cheese, and then I roll it in a tortilla. That's some Beautiful. good stuff, man. You know, yeah, a little salsa in there. Yeah, uh, he likes extra hot sauce. So I, I yeah, 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 hot yeah. sauce on there, man. Yeah, oh yeah, God. yeah, yeah. And good I for, usually make good for burgers, burgers for lunch, something like that. So and he's growing up. Does, does he know? Is he aware that you're transitioning him from you know the winter routine to the spring routine? Yeah, and you know he'll uh, he'll really start to. He doesn't have much body fat, but he'll. I'm a firm believer in this when the weather starts getting warm when they're, they're more active also, but I think there's something evolutionarily that speeds us up, you know, to, to, yeah. You know, don't you Marty? Like it, it yes, just, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because in the winter time you weren't, you weren't, you weren't growing or tending crops. Yeah. You were living off the crops that you created and, and you were trying to, and you were, you, you were, yes, you were hoping you made it through to the next, harvest yeah right yeah. and the game so you depended upon game or whatever you could kill or trap or catch or fish but i mean it was a 
that was primal existence for, I don't know, 700,000 years before the advent of agriculture, which really wasn't that long ago. Agriculture was only invented 10,000 years ago. Yeah. Before that, it was hunter-gatherer stuff, you know, where you, you know, you kind of had to follow the migration of the animals because that's, right. what, that's, that's what you lived on. You didn't have any corn. You didn't have any wheat. You didn't have any of that. Yeah. There's a guy, Paul Saladino, he's a doctor who's a, he believes in nose to tail eating. Me too. So, like if you, if it's good, not, if it's good. Yeah. It's not good enough just to eat the muscle meats. Like most of us do. He's like, you, you won't, you won't be perfectly healthy if you do that. But if you eat everything, the marrow, you know, the, the liver, the kidney, the heart and all that, that, that will supply everything you need for uh for for complete health and and, and if I, and, and if i have eric repair or jacques papin preparing that for me i'm sure i'd love it yeah yeah um but he but just the indigenous uh he just got back from the hadza i think that's in africa and he spent uh some time with them and he was like dude it's a first of all you know you're you're on the go all the time i mean you're you're seeing you have to the men go and get the food and if they don't get the food nobody eats right. but they asked them you know what what would be your most pride what was the, what does what would be the best thing in your life right now if you could have anything and the one guy was like to kill a big pig <laughs> you know it's right. just like that's what they're thinking about man where my next meals come from they don't have corn and you know he said to kill a big pig not like you know to leave this place he's like kill a big pig and they also, um, you know, meat was so, is so prized by them because of all the nutrients. They killed a baboon, which, man, can you imagine eating a baboon? No. And, uh, you know, the brains, they eat the brains. All right, all right, all right. Now, come on. No, but what back. I'm saying is you were talking about the, the crops and the agriculture and all that stuff. And for 700,000 years or whatever, the people were living like the Hadza, you know. Well, and then in the jungle they were, but if you lived in Norway... Yeah, you were killing caribou. Now, now, now you got to add the element of I have to survive the winter. Yeah. So I mean that puts another another element on. But getting back to our original premise. Yes. So if you're coming off winter and you're coming off heavy eating and you're coming off your your maximal size and strength, yeah. your your activity's been at its lowest, right? And but that's fine because you're you're coming out of that big and strong and powerful and healthy and you haven't done nothing in terms of cardio. It's just it's just down a little bit compared to when the warmer weather comes just naturally. We we do more. Uh, I get drawn out into nature so easy. And then all of a sudden it um, <clears throat> I get personally, I get addicted to outdoor cardio. And when you get addicted to something, it's, there's no, it's effortless. It's frictionless. Right. right? And it doesn't take motivation because it's. No, because it's something you look forward to. Now, now Marty, do you, do you exclusively transition from indoor cardio to, to outside cardio? Yeah, that's kind of, that's, that? that's kind of the way it is because around here it's snow and ice and, and dead leaves. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it obscures the trip hazards or it makes it slippery or if it's wet. We're very wet in the winter up here. 
Yeah. And, and now it's like what they call the spring runoff. You remember that, JP. And it, it's yeah, just yeah, that, sure. that period where all the snow that's accumulated, that starts to melt and the streams get swollen. We got hit with some massive rainstorms. I'm like, oh my God, thank God they weren't snow because mm -hmm. we'd be under three feet. And, but it flooded everything out. Right. So we're very wet up here. So it's going to be another three weeks before stuff dries out to the point so, that it's like, all right, now I'm going to get back into it. Right. Yeah. So describe getting back into it. Describe coming out of hibernation and getting your cardio routine. Very good. Very, very, very good. Very good. You get on those trails and you start off with 10 minutes and then you go to 20 minutes and then you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or you just jump right in. Uh, I want to. I want to have a double dual approach. I want to have a couple days dedicated to sprints and speed because I love that because I'm naturally a drag racer, not a marathon runner. Right. So you're the field to do that. Uh, I love to sprint. Yeah. And so I, I want to get back into that, but I'd limit that to twice a week for my speed week, speed work. But then the other days I have th this beautiful, 200 acres of natural wooded trails and steep inclines. And Jimmy, you did, I think I've ever taken that. I don't know if I've taken that. Anyway, it's a picturesque and scenic. So if I want, I can go an hour in a big ass circle and never see the same thing twice. Right. Right. So it's just, it's addictive and I can cut it off if I don't want to do that much. I can take alternate routes and it's running along trout streams and up mountain inclines and there's never anybody there. And since I usually do it at dawn, I'm usually the first one there. So I spook the deer and the fox and I run through the spider webs that come across the trails. Right. And it's just, and then I put on, of course, incredible music. <clears throat> right. So I've got, I'm controlling my audio soundtrack. I've got to say hyper alert, because if you don't, you will trip on something and fall down. Yeah. That adds, adds to it though, doesn't it? Uh, you better be on your damn toes. And then you, when there's flat open areas and it's like, all right, let's open up the accelerator a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. How and many then, times a week, how many times a week oh, will you man, start? If I can, if, Oh, if I, if, if every, if the weather is good, certainly three mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm chomping at the bit for more. It's more like, let me do multiple sessions, but I'll start off with shorter duration. So okay. let me do, let me do five times a week for, I don't know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes. All right. We'll break in 15 minutes. Right. Right. Okay. Seven minutes out and seven minutes back. Mm -hmm. That's not a long time because from your, if you have your vehicle, you know, I park my vehicle and get out and it's like, well, I'd say 10 minutes out and 10 minutes back or a 10 minute or 20 minute circle. Okay. And then you're acclimatized. And then the next week <clears throat> you want to keep the intensity, but increase the duration. Right. So maybe you go to 22 minutes. Right. And you get but but then again, also twice a week, I'm not doing that. Maybe I'm doing that three times a week. Twice a week, I'm doing sprints, okay. which is exciting, right? Because I'm, I, I limit myself to eight. And how long are those? Eight what? Well, again, that's cool because I, I might start out with 30s, right? And I get a rolling start. I'm not using a jackrabbit start. 
I'm only really pushing the accelerator to the floor, maybe the last 15 yards. To avoid injury, right? Well, yeah, because all my, all my injuries would be hamstrings that I would tweak using the jackrabbit start. And it's just like, and I read Charlie Francis's book and he had something he called the cone drill. And it was like, well, here's, here's one where we don't use the jackrabbit start. Just you get a nice rolling start. And then you have these two cones. Let's say you're doing 60 yards just to pick a number. So the first 40 yards, you get up to 80%. Then the last 20 yards, you go from 80% to 100%. Yeah. Fast as you can go, brother. Yeah, we did a lot of those. Those are, you know, 30, 40, 30. So you're starting to call them. But you shorten it up. You shorten it up as you're getting into it. I might do 2010, you know, where I go. I right, take right. 20 yards to get up to 80% yeah. in the last 10 yards. So total of 30 and I do eight of those. And then each week I, I would increase the distance, but I would how never, much, I'd never go longer than 60 yards. Never. How much rest between each sprint? Well, that's the thing. Charlie wants all the guys want you to take a lot of rest between yeah. sprint reps. Well, you can walk back slowly. I know it gets a little like antsy, you know. A couple I mean? minutes, Jimmy. You know, yeah, they 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 want like five minutes between reps, huh. which I yeah I know I can't really do that. I'm sorry. So yeah, he's, you're looking for a, a heart effect too. They weren't. Um, you're looking for some cardiovascular stuff too. They're they're looking for that's how long it takes for you to get recovered in order Must to be. generate another hundred percent effort. Right. Yeah, right. and their whole thing is that. If that in order to increase speed, you have to generate 102% effort when you're 100% rested. Right. And there is no sense generating 102% effort if you're 89% rested because you rush the rep. Yeah. But with what you're looking for. Well, that's what I'm looking for, Jim. Oh, I'm okay. looking for, I'm looking to increase my all out top speed. Oh, okay. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, it would. You know what else you could do, though? Let's say you're not just, let's say you have a speed day, then you're going to have a speed conditioning day where you shorten that rest period and then in a fatigue state, push as hard as you can. Also, I like that kind of stuff. Well, what would Charlie say about that, Marty? He would yeah, say, Charlie, he would say, you are exactly opposite of what we're talking about. Right. And just, just you are the chronic overworker. <laughs> and, you know, overachiever over um, yeah exactly so no he would not be happy with you yeah <laughs> what, what uh so you'll start out with flat sprints on level ground right and then oh uh, and that's, the only, that's the only and that's the only kind i would do also i have the wonderful advantage of i have a sprint that is uh, wood chips it's like running on a trampoline it's incredible it's wonderful right your trail you mean yeah uh, okay it's wood chips, Jim, and you can you can dig in, but it is the softest possible thing it could be on your feet. The problem that everybody has is because they run on concrete or asphalt, and it's hard. And if I, I with me, since I run on wood, wooded trails, every footfall is different. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I've been up here 25 years doing this every year. And I have no foot ankle issues. The only problems I have is if I step in a hole, 
or I slip and I fall. Yeah, that sucks. And then you got to use the judo shoulder roll, which I have successfully done. I've fallen a couple times in the last year, and I was very pleased at my reaction. Yeah. Right. And how I took it. Okay, we are falling now. How are we doing? Well, <laughs> let's see. You know, and you know, you and you you sense it in real time. It's like, all yeah. right, man, here we go. Put the twist on. All right, absorb it with it, you know, absorb and roll, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that would have been a disaster for someone who hadn't been lifting their whole lives like you. Uh, and if you're not alert and aware, and if you're wobbly and and tottery because you're you brittle and you have no strength, you know, and you've ignored it, yeah, it's going to be a problem. But the cool thing is, is that you can obtain it very quickly and very easily. Anybody who suddenly takes up resistance training, wow, they're going to improve what forty percent in twelve weeks, Jim. Yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit, man. I mean, that's crazy. Think about that. A, a bit, somebody who's new to resistance training, if they have the right coach for 12 straight weeks, every week, they will improve in every lift. Think about that. Every lift, every session, 12 straight weeks, improve. Wow. Imagine the difference that makes in how you're able to carry yourself, handle yourself. Yeah, just how your body will feel. There's nothing like getting stronger. And add some walk around the neighborhood cardio, some top speed power walking. Most people can generate a, a 75 to 80% heart rate with just super fast walking. Right. Particularly if you live in a any kind of an area that has any kind of topography, any, you know, hills or stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, and what an exhilarating way to do it. As opposed to, you know, sitting, maybe sitting on an exercise bike, but pedaling with your legs only, you know. Yeah. What Jim, are the you're, other... You're addicted to, right, Jim? Um, addicted? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exercise How, bike? Are you, get, are you using your property any for cardio now that you're uh, an estate owner? No. But, um, <laughs> it would be more on the roads. The roads are great around here, but no, I'm not. I got away from walking. That's shadow box, ride the bike, um, and then the rest of the pro our property is mostly woods. You know, you got the big yard, but I wouldn't. Uh, you know what, Matt? You know what I have my my nine year old does. So he's on this virtual learning, and he'll do, you know, the first half, and then at lunch he goes out and runs fifteen driveways. We call them driveways. It's about, you know, 20, 20 yards, and it's got a little hill on it. So he gets that. Okay. So you're doing a little hill runner. Yeah, right, hill runner. Yeah, helps with his speed for baseball. Jim, weren't you yeah, saying you, you'll go out once in a while and dig a hole or something? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm big on chopping stuff, man. I like axes. I love hatchets and axes. So yeah. I'll just find a tree that's dead. I'll chop that down, split a bunch of wood, stuff like that. I love yeah. doing that. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good natural exercise, just moving around, getting the joints all. Well, you know, you know what's messed up is that I look at, I look at everything in, in reps Swear to God, I'll be shoveling snow, and I'm like, "All right, let's go. Let's get twenty. Let's get twenty. I swear to God, I swear to God. Well, I, I've done that too. Right? I told, I told you, Stacy, Stacy, and I strap up. We put the heart rate monitor on and get oh, okay. shovels. Talking about, bro. Oh yeah, yeah. We we yeah we strap up. We we put on the heart rate monitor, yeah. get out there, start shoveling the snow, and determining <laughs> what kind of an exercise. What kind of, and I tell you what, uh, we had a heavy wet snow around here. I figured every 
shovel full I was tossing was probably 15 pounds. Yeah. And I think we did, I did it for 50 minutes and, oh, I don't know, burned 250 yeah, calories and spiked at 165. And I mean, it was like a 92% of age-related heart rate max session. I was fine. Yeah, Aren't you but, using lifting straps for that one too? Oh, hey, a little humor over there from JP. No, I thought you said something about that because the snow was so heavy. You wanted to increase your grip. We've been oh, talking, JP, you do that talking too? Ed, you've been talking Ed Cone. Is that what it is? Yeah. JP, you do that too, where you look at it as, as reps? You know what? When you're a weightlifter, you have a different uh, way of looking at things and, and, and doing chores and, and things yeah. like that. So, yeah. I could relate to that. Yeah. How, how is your experience with snow? Who? Me? You? Yeah, you. You're new to it, right? No, no. Hey, I used to live 10 miles from you. No, no, no. But I mean, in recent times, you moved from Southern California to Texas and had that huge storm, right? Yeah, we don't get much here. I mean, you'll get a few inches. Did you, have to, get, did you have to get out and shovel? Was that shocking? Uh, I didn't have to do that, but you know, my pool, everybody's pool was like in danger of freezing up and we had to try oh, to keep it running oh, and, crack and I was having to get out there with a sledgehammer and like oh, knock right. the ice off the pool. Uh, I guess you were lucky you were in shape, and, right? And I did that in, in, uh, sets of eight. Nice. <laughs> nice. You got a failure on the last one. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I didn't grind. I was I, I took no the grind. Kurt Kowalski approach. I didn't quite grind, but I was Did almost you, there. Were you able to switch, you know, left, right, or was it? Oh, all you have one? to, otherwise you'd be lopsided. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah hey, Jim, that's Jim, that's now wait a minute. That's the other thing. You always have to switch, right? Because that is you funny. That is so funny. Yeah. I mean, that's if the weightlifter mentality. Like right. what, you're just gonna do all your curls with one arm. Yeah. Yeah. You had, or you end up like, uh, what was that famous Swedish bodybuilder? He had like a 22-inch right arm and a 17-inch left arm. Really? Gun Gunter. Gunnar so, Yeah, that was him. That was him. Gunnar Dude, Rosbo. his forearms. I remember his forearm. One arm. One arm. He oh, was really? Oh, yeah. His other arm is like totally underdeveloped. He would I don't know how the arm wrestlers are. Maybe he had some, some uh, nerve damage or something. Yeah, the arm wrestlers are like that. Yeah, I don't know. He'd, he'd be the guy that be like his right arm would be in the cover of muscle and fitness, <laughs> but not as well. You know, that's kind <laughs> of Arnold wasn't like that, but he did have that better peak on the right bicep. Yeah. So most his one arm shots are of that right bicep. Nobody had more body part cover or uh, cover shots than Mike Matarazza. Mm -hmm. And it was all arms. Calves. and legs and calves right he never had a full body shot because he was so disproportional it was weird looking genetics but he had but a, he had he had great limbs he had right i saw him on a, a video the other day i think he's doing cable crossovers and by the way he's not around anymore uh he's been gone a while now right yeah um, I, don't, I don't know what was his but, situation yeah. But no, he was doing crossovers and he did not have a whole lot of size on his chest. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe his back compared to his arm, his, his arms and especially calves. Yeah. Incredible calves, but nothing on his body com 
compared to his his limbs. Yeah, from the back, Mr. Dayton. <laughs> Dayton, Ohio. Man, Mr. Dayton takes some stuff, huh? <laughs> he takes some abuse. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, back to our original premise. Coming into the spring, obviously you're going to reinstitute your cardio, whatever it is, whatever your device, protocol, drill, whatever, swim, whatever. Uh, you're gonna, your weight training, you're probably gonna go watch him a little more volume, get away from the pure. I mean, you're probably sick of lifting yeah. uh, heavy, heavy poundage, low reps. You can still, I'm not saying, Jim, you gotta cut your weight, but I'm saying maybe instead of pounding your head with fives and threes, maybe you go to eights. Yeah, you'll get more muscular like that. Yeah, but change, change. You want something yeah. fresh. In Maybe addition, get and get away and get away from if you've been doing heavy low bar back squats. Well, why not try some, I don't know, front squats or front some squats. high bar back squats with a different stance width or something different. Every and every time I've gone from backs to fronts and gone back to back squats. My back squat got stronger. That's right. If you Every can do front time. squats, I love front squats. I think, and dude, it was like a relief to get back to the back squat because front right. squats are uncomfortable. That's right. And then you put oh, that, oh, you're God. like, yes, hello, back squat. I'm back, baby. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I never did front squats. I mean, I know it's a good exercise and everything, but I was so uncomfortable. I said, hell with this. I'm doing high yeah. bar back squats. That's where it's at for me. What? Why? Crossing your arm? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's kind of that doesn't work. Well, crossing your arms. <laughs> no, man, that doesn't that never worked for me. What's the thing? Like, What's the well, thing? Well, you got the guys... thing. There's no way JP can can hold a rack position in front squat, Martin. No, no. Right. So he has to make do. Yeah. Me, I I never but, comfortably comfortably front squat. I, I didn't have that. I don't know. My arms were over 15 inches. You know. I yeah. just I yeah, I affect I responded so well from the high bar back squat. I didn't see the point of doing the front yeah, squat. No, I mean, no I, oh, they're a great exercise if you can do are. them. They are fabulous. I, I know it is, but I just you know there's those exercises that you just you know like I think that I think that I think the hack squat is essentially a front squat. It is, but you know it's a lot rougher on your knees. I don't know why. Well, yeah. it's mechanical. Yeah, it's it's the, you, you don't have as much. You're not allowed. You're allowed a lot, lot more leeway. Yeah. When you have a barbell, when you're clavicles, right? You're not, you're not locked in a machine. When I did my first bodybuilding show at my senior year of Mr. Teenage DC, mm. I did front squats and stiff leg deadlifts for my legs. I did five sets of eight twice a week in both exercises, How, and I couldn't you, believe the way they grew. Like, were you able to isolate your hamstrings with stiff legs? Yeah, you know, I think that I had decent hamstrings, and I think that really got them going. That really just doing those stiff legs. And I, I don't think – I wasn't doing, like, totally rounded back ones. I'm sure we were rounding a little bit, but it wasn't, like, messing with my back. And the key with those, the guy that was helping me was saying, you don't got to go so heavy, man. Just, just oh, focus God, no. on hamstrings. You know? Well, there's two distinct types of stiff legs. One right. is uh, the primarily for spinal erectors. Right. You know, and you're purposely using heavy weights. And I mean, that's like Mark Chalet style stiff legs. Right. <clears throat> Mark had a very specific style that he taught us and it was very good, but he would have you purposely look down at the bar as you're doing it, which just changing your head position made it so incredibly harder. Huh. Right. 
And of course, with these narrow stance, he said, well, if you really want to get torturous, you can do the stiff leg. And also the bar never broke contact with your body. Right. This was a heavy, heavy stiff leg. Well, heavy as you can while you're looking downward at the bar. But as opposed to let the bar drift away from the body on purpose, use nothing but hamstrings to raise and lower that light weight. Yeah. Which I think is what you were doing, right, Jim? Yeah, that's what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's better than line leg curls. If you're able to isolate the hamstrings, most guys end up doing erector stiff right. leg deadlifts, and it really it doesn't do jack for their hamstrings. Yeah. I was it training in the basement, so I was forced to do those because we didn't have a leg curl. So it was actually a good thing. And, and you were able to isolate your hamstrings. You feel it. If you're isolating your hamstrings, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. Jim, I think you and I got uh, carried away with the weight, though, because we we talked before about how much weight we used to do. I know yeah. my prime, I was doing oh, 15 with those things. Yeah. Um, and you, you didn't need to do that. You didn't. I, you know, I should have made lightweights heavy. I should have used uh, intensity enhancers, you know, kind of like Marty's talking about. Yeah. Um, but for me, yeah, I remember the first time I did stiff legged deadlifts and I was probably about 17. No kidding, my hamstrings were sore for two whole weeks. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Killer exercise. You, but you yeah. got a, you, your muscle targeting was correct. You had a good right. connection, brother. Yeah. Right. right. Most most guys they they will do whatever the weight was two fifty five and they go, man, I'm so strong. And they all of a sudden they're handling three three fifteen, but they're not doing any hamstrings you know, at all. You know, and that is an interesting way to find out where you're targeting. I who was it? Uh, Serge Nubray or somebody Vince was Garano. talking about Vince Garano. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody was talking about uh, to to really clearly define for themselves what a certain exercise was hitting. They would go into the gym and do that exercise, like say for triceps or whatever, and exclusively yeah. just do that exercise. So like 10, like 10, 10, 10, something like 10 or 20 sets, yeah. yeah. And then the next day, they would really truly understand and be able to pinpoint what that exercise was hitting. So oh, Cassidy had us doing that. I mean, right from the get go, it's like he, he would quiz you. And I quiz my people too. Like after we have them do, maybe they're learning a new technique. I go, all right, now where specifically were you yeah. sore? And mm -hmm. often we have this phenomenon we call DOS, delayed right. onset soreness, which right. means that it really doesn't manifest till two days later. Yeah. Right. And that's when the soreness really hits you. And it's like, pay attention now. I'm really sore in my pecs. Oh, okay. Well, that's good because you were doing bench presses. Oh, what was my grip width? Oh, what was the poundage? You know, you kind of review, and is it my lower pecs that are sore or my upper pecs that are sore, right? Or are my front delts sore at all? No. Right. How about your tricep? No, not really. And you use your soreness to determine the accuracy of your muscle targeting. Right. But is, is soreness a good thing or a bad thing or is yeah, it just neutral? I, I mean, it's just, it is. If you're trained, if you, if you, you're traumatizing muscle tissue. Right. And I, if you, I, being, I, yeah. I, I am suspect of a trainee that never gets sore. Right. Well, you know, we're always talking about such minimalistic type training. It's like, okay, do you, do you want to be sore? Does that mean you're doing too much? Yeah, I, I don't uh, think you, I, want to, you don't want to be crippled, but you want to know, hey, I worked 
I love that feeling. Yeah. There's a certain stiffness, a certain, like if you went down into a squat, you'd be like, oh yeah, man, my adductors are really, really sore this week. You know, you know, Uh the next day I've gotten sore. I've gotten sore as hell off a single. If it's heavy, if it's heavy enough, brother. Yeah. Yeah. It's trust, funny. Trust me. I it's funny. I exploded my right eyeball on an eight fifteen <laughs> squat. No, no, oh, I've no, got a to, to this day I've got a, a, a blown away spot in my right eyeball from my internal pressure on an eight fifteen squat coming. It was around. worth it though, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it was borderline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'd have, if I'd have buried it. I think maybe it would have been worth it, but I think it was a borderline effort, to be honest. But it's kind of funny, you know, we've been doing this so long, we still get sore, and we always Oh, yeah, my back is sore right now. Yep. I would be suspect of myself if I didn't get sore. Yeah, let me see what else is sore. Yep. I see a lot of people training at the gym, and there ain't no way in hell they're getting sore. We've talked about that one before. They're wasting their time. But But they also tend to always look the same. They do year after year, yeah. Dude, there's this guy at my at my gym, man. He's probably six four, three forty, and he hasn't lost. I don't know what he's looking for, but he hasn't gained any muscle or lost any weight since I've been going there for like two but, two and a half years. But he wears out that treadmill, doesn't he? And he wears shorts that are way up his ass, man. Right. What, what, and he does this, does the same thing in the same way on the same device at yeah. the same time. Talking. You could set your watch by it. Talking the whole time. Talking during, a, during a set. Yep. Talking while you're executing the exercise. That's right. I'm just like, wow, man. And then my James, James saw him with, with these tiny little shorts on. And James is like, was there something wrong with it? <laughs> yeah he stays the same yeah yeah yeah. well this is why when i train in public facilities i always wore headphones yeah and get that cuts down down on conversation when you know you're wearing headphones with music blaring yeah i make zero eye contact but once in a while that one guy will come never make eye contact that, that once in a while, that one guy in the gym will come up to you and you get your music blasting and he'll just start having a conversation. You're like, what the no, 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 no. We, did, no, we didn't live in California. We didn't live in California. That doesn't happen. Uh, that doesn't happen in this neighborhood in Pennsylvania. Well, trust that's me. one of the reasons I left that. That's and there was saying. towels all over the damn equipment. <laughs> oh, reserved. The towels, the towels. No towels in Texas. I haven't seen any. No, you're, so open, so good. you're opened up now, man, ain't you? You can do do whatever right. you want. All right, now let's get back to the original right. topic. Can, can we get back to weightlifting a little yes, bit more? Sure. Coming, let's talk a little bit more about the transitional um, right. thinking. Well, what I was, was going to say was, along with Marty was talking about some rep changes. Now, if you've just been doing the press deadlift, bench, you know, yep. just the basics. Yep. Now let's add some assistance stuff. Yeah, yeah. expand yes. it, expand let's it. Get Open an it inch up. on your arms by your yep. goal. You know, yep. let's start doing some curls. Let's let's, yep. let's pay attention to the biceps and triceps and shoulders mm-hmm. and lateral, you know, mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the lateral raises that if somebody told you in the middle of December, do some lateral raises, you'd be like, hell no. But now you're, you're ready for that. You know, you're right. ready to put a little muscle on. So, yeah. so Jim, that being said, um, 
coming out of winter, transitioning into spring here, how is there a maximum amount of time you want to put on a workout? Is it 45 minutes you should be done, even with accessory exercises, an hour? What do you like to keep yeah, it down I mean, to? I always say anything over an hour and you're probably fooling around. Now, obviously, uh, when I was squatting 800, my workouts took longer than an hour because the time between sets and all that stuff. But uh, yeah. I would say if you're not training for something like that, yeah, an hour, man, an hour in and out. You have to be. I mean, I, don't think, I, I did. Think that, uh, I think that's too long. And that's a long time. <clears throat> I did 20 sets in 20 minutes yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, 20 sets in 20 minutes. So that could be for anybody that could be four exercise, five sets each yep. or five exercises four four sets each which is a lot of work in 20 minutes. Yeah. That's what we're, I'm thinking 30 minutes, but only a really strong person needs an hour. Yeah. You got, you got to handle something because it takes more sets. If you're working up to four or five, you got to go 135, 225, 275, 315, 365. Okay. Now I'm ready for my top set. That takes a lot longer than somebody who's working up to 150 and they're going what 70 120 and then 150 so they're getting to their top set in three three sets was a really strong person might take who knows how many sets multiplied by all the different exercises but i do agree on jim's point more volume less intensity right maybe more sessions, right? Open it up a little bit, right? I like four, four would be great. That way yeah. you can put body parts evenly. Yeah. So if you went, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, you mm -hmm. take Wednesday and the weekends off. That's always good to have the weekends off yep. so you can have a life. Um, I, 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 we kind of like training on Saturday and Sunday early. Yeah, as long as that, yeah, that's not interfering with anything. You know what I'm saying? The guys like to get together. You know, it's like, hey, let's yeah. go to the strength church. And if we do it early, get it out of the way. It's not an imposition. Right. That's right. So if you went Monday and Thursday, like a chest, shoulder, tricep, mm -hmm. and Tuesday, Friday, like a legs, back, and bicep, that's a great split there. Gives you enough rest. One day, you know, I would just deadlift one of those days. But you could do a heavy squat and a light squat. Or you could, you know, just do a heavy squat and then your deadlift on that other lower body day but it's enough time so monday monday to thursday and tuesday to <clears throat> one split we use is like you do five days in a row you go monday legs tuesday you know bench press and triceps wednesday uh, i don't know what uh, back thursday shoulders and arms and then friday i don't know maybe some quick lifts and power cleans yeah Right. Yeah, and then you're basically concentrating on pretty much a push pull. We would like on day one, like if you're going to bench press, why not bench press and row, you know, yeah, or yeah. bench press and chin, yeah. you know, or bench press and seated row or something with an identical grip with some push pull uh, on leg day. You, we want uh, squats, leg curls, cap raises, right? Right. That's a lot. That's a lot of work right there. On on Wednesday, the bench day, you would use different grip widths. Right, throw in some arms. Uh, you got to have a shoulder day. You got to have a back day. Yeah. So you can spread them out. We like to hit them just each one time a week. Be done with it. Optimally, we would like to see some early morning fasted cardio. I think that's the best way to start the day. And if you get up early enough, you can, you know, beat the rest of the world. It's a great way to come awake. Yeah. 
set your mind a, right. I think there's some good science to the idea that, hey, let's let's do cardio coming off our lowest glycogen status, which is after sleeping. Right. Right. Your glycogen is low at its lowest, might not be completely you know, gone, but it's certainly going to be a hell of a lot lower than it was when you went to bed or had your last meal the previous night at whatever, 830. So at that point you hit a, you hit a cardio session and you burn off the residual glycogen. And then when the glycogen is gone, the body is forced to burn its second favorite fuel source, stored body fat. Boom. And that, that's why when you go to any hardcore facility at when they open, you see all the biggest and best bodybuilders in there doing their early morning cardio. Yeah. Well, just training in general in the morning, I think, um, I think that's the best time too, because hormonally speaking, I think your growth hormone is at its peak, right? And your testosterone, right? Yeah. If you're an early morning person, if you're early morning person, of course, you know, like, like my brother, he was the complete opposite. He was a total late night person. Yeah. You know, I think it depends on your psychology, right? Like JP, you're an early morning guy like me. Right. It's just natural for us. Right. Yeah. I'm an early morning guy. Yeah. But I tell you what, I think it it depends now just personally, it would depend on my goals. So if I was powerlifting, not, no, I'm not doing that first thing in the morning, man. Yeah, no. But t- well, you'd be, tra- you'd be training with your training partners in the evening or yes. optimally in the afternoon. Yes. That was one thing about Chalet. Chalet insisted on starting at 4 o'clock. And we were like, well, Mark, no one's off work at 4 o'clock. He goes, well, so what? <laughs> you, were, you were in like, what, Chevy Chase? You had to get out Oh, no, man. Yeah, I was in Wheaton. I mean, that was a 45-minute drive. And so, yeah, but if that was it, because for Mark, that was his ideal time yeah. to train, 4 yeah. o'clock in the afternoon. It was just all about Mark. And, and if you could make talking. it, yeah. if you could make it great, if you couldn't, so what? Yeah. <laughs> so if you're looking, you know, if you're doing physique stuff and all that and, and a a top set in your squat bench and deadlift is not your goal, then morning is great. You know, morning is, you don't have to get right up to going. Might, even, arms might even be better, right? Because you're really kind of trying to create the, the fat burning depleted state, right? You're always bumping up that against that edge of starvation when you're, when you're ripping up for a, in the last three weeks of a bodybuilding for a bodybuilding show. Yeah. You try to go as long as you can. Without oh, it. that's, that's gruesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think we talked about this last time. I mean, when you when you train in the morning, it just it to me it just gets your day started oh, off right. Now I'm only that. training three days a week. I do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But on those three days, I get in, man. I'm all full of energy. I'm all I got yep, the yep, hormonal yep. tsunami going. I'm feeling fresh. good. I'm optimistic. You're fresh. Um, it's just a different day yeah. than Tuesday and Thursday when I'm not training. And you're hungry for the weights, hungry for the weights, hungry for the food, hungry to come in and start doing some business. You know, it's just, uh, it just fires you up for the day. And that's when you have the best workouts and that's when you grow the most muscle. That's right. But it has to be, that's like the, what is uh, yang? That's male. It has to be offset with the yin, which is the cardio and the nutrition. Right. Otherwise, you can be a really big, fat, strong person that dies early. Now, one question I wanted to ask is, you know, we talk about 
So spring is the transitional point. It's coming out of hibernation, kind of getting your bearings again for, for the hotter weather and stuff like that. Just real quick. So how would that transitional period from, from spring to summer then look? Is it a lot more drastic? No, you just keep training the same way. Just keep training the same way. You know, you change, you can change up some exercises and things like that, but the, the goal is the same to stay in that condition. And as soon as you let up a little bit, you'll start to lose that condition. Uh, you know, you can't hold uh, super low body fat. I'm not talking about that. Like if you were, if you were saying, okay, May, May 1st, I got to get this cer certain goal. So you really cut it down the last couple of weeks, go up to maintenance level, not like that, you know, the last two week thing and, and try to stay there, but keep that cardio up, keep the, the voluminous workouts up um, and all the way into the fall or, you know, that's when you can start going, okay, now I'm ready to, hit the squats heavy again, the deads and the, you know, your body, you know what else your body needs that man, you're, it yeah. needs to break. And if you're looking at this as a lifetime, lifelong activity, like we do, um, you can't stay on that accelerator either way, no, like no, either way, no, like no. too heavy or the volume stuff. You can't do either all the time. Your body will tell you when it's time to change if you don't change it and it'll, oh. it'll be in a form of injury. Oh, you know? and isn't it interesting that the ideal transitional period is 12 weeks oh 12 weeks that's right, three right. months oh that's one season yeah. again humans naturally again putting yourself back in prehistoric times you know where we evolve completely and we we have these evolutionary shifts in our physiology and our psychology but getting getting back to your point jim about contrast right? You're coming off the winter. Let's say we take a hypothetical example. Uh, the guy is uh, coming off the winter and he's weighing 202 pounds. He's five foot eight. He's pushed his squat up to 500 raw and he's bench up to 300. Great, right? But he's chubby and he's overweight. So what's the goal? Oh, okay. Over the next 12 weeks. Well, let's just take off a pound a week. 12 pounds. So he's dropping from, you know, 202 to 190. Ah, but actually, he's actually going to do a little better than that, because he's going to pick up a little muscle, because he's going to be doing this higher volume hypertrophy training, right? So it picks up two to three pounds of muscle. So actually, he's lost 15 pounds of body fat and picked up two to three pounds of muscle during the spring period then you shift into summer and then it's like okay well i think it's time to really put the put it on and let's really get ripped right so it gets maximum leanness in the hottest months of the summer right. oh what better thing to do when fall comes to go like whew, i sure i'm tired of being lean and light and existing on fish and salad. Yeah. And I would like some roast lamb and some rice. Right. And then, and some heavier weight and some less, I'm tired of doing all this cardio. I'm tired of doing all this weight training. Great. So you cut down the cardio to yeah. two or three days a week. Yeah. 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 And it's a natural ebb and flow. And it's something that you can do forever because in the winter, again, that's when the big weights are the easiest because the foods are the best and the activities are the lowest. The opposite of deep winter is uh, deep summer, August, when it's the hottest. That's the 
ideal time to be your leanest and lightest. I love August. Right? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then the in-between times are fall and spring. And those are your transitory periods where you're, you're coming out of, but then you're leading into. Right? It's really like three weeks or, well, let me see. If it's 12 weeks, six weeks of coming out of winter and then six weeks of heading into summer. Right? It's a transitional spring. And then from the deep of the summer, it's like, oh, it's six weeks of coming out of the summer and now six weeks preparing for going into the, the coldest of the winter. And that is sustainable forever. Right. There's enough contrast in that. That, and again, yeah. you're, you're, and your variables are what? Your nutrition, your resistance training, and your cardio. Yep. Never, never changes, right, Jim? That's right, that's right, they're always the same. You know, Jim, you're talking about you can't always lift heavy and all that. And you're exactly right. Um, I think these transitional periods, I think these 12 week cycles, um, these periods of going heavy and then periods of coming down and doing uh, lighter reps and things like that. I think they're all necessary for the longevity of, of the body. Now, you know, uh, I never so much did that. I always had it redlined and I was always heavy, 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 you know, uh, not power lifter heavy, but I guess power building heavy yeah. Yeah. and, and heavy for, uh, I guess I was always like more heavy dumbbell benches and heavy leg press. Yeah. But, but you know, now that I'm almost 50, you know, I've, I've got some issues with my back and all that. And Marty, you're, you know, you're what 70 now. And I mean, you don't have any back issues or anything. It was because of these transitional periods and using these different uh, training cycles of light and heavy and rest and all right. that, mm. all very important stuff to consider. Not just, I know we're always wanting to get strong and muscular as fast as we can, right? Everybody wants that, but also trust me, trust us, you really, no matter what age you are, you have to think about the longevity aspect of it. And, you know, maybe if you're, maybe if you're below 30 years old or 40 years old, you're not thinking so much about that, but think about it now and start doing those different cycles and things and just give your body a rest. You're not only giving your muscles a rest, but you're giving your skeletal system a rest. You're you know, your, your ligaments and tendons and things yeah, like and that. Mind, so, and your mind and, mm -hmm. and your mind yep. and your mind. Right. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. That's, that's it. it. I mean, that's it. And it, again, it's this, this ebb and flow and just about the time that you're sick of a, a particular direction, you shift. And the mistake that, that most people make is when, when they do decide to make a change, the change is insignificant like dropping your reps from 10 to eight, that's really not a change. Right. You know what I mean? Or like, oh, I'm going to do, instead of uh, running uh, long distances for 45 minutes, I'm going to run them for 55 minutes. Well, that's more the same. Right. Or if uh, nutrition, okay, well, I'm going to bump my protein from 150 to 170 it's like well that's great but that's not really what we're talking about yeah, that's not, yeah. and you really have to do all of it together and uh, it really is a coordinated effort between the nutrition the cardio 
for lifting and you're eternally uh what jimmy you're you're playing with the the balance the, yeah the different variables just playing. the different variables right you're uh oh this one's like well it depends on what phase you're in basically i don't think it's an oversimplification simplification to say you're either looking to add lean muscle mass or you're looking to get as lean as possible Right. I think those are the two, if you had to say, okay, what is the ultra fundamental? I think it's one of those two. Right. With strength on the first one. You know? Well, I think that strength is a way in which to achieve the muscle, right? If you want maximum muscle, you, you have to become a strength maestro. Or you a bodybuilding. I mean, you could do a bodybuilding. You could just do the bodybuilding techniques. But it's, it's again, that's a form of strength training. Yeah. Different philosophy. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. So anyway, but just that irreducible, sometimes people lose sight. What's the goal? Well, generally the goal is either let's look to add some lean muscle without gaining an unacceptable amount of body fat, or let's look to get maximally ripped, but let's not melt off all the hard, um, hard gym muscle. muscle. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. So that's the razor's edge. That's two very, very profound and difficult things. But we have this strategy because we've been doing it for, a lot of years, right? Many. <laughs> both, both on ourselves and the people that come to us for, for help, you know, or, or guidance or just tips. And it's just, it all comes down to one of those three things, cardio, nutrition, and uh, resistance training. And you just, you know, tweak this, tweak that, change yeah. this, up that. How do we create some contrast? This is stagnant. It's stagnant. It's not working. We need to change it. Okay. Well, if we need to change it, we really has to be something way different. Otherwise, we're just doing more of the same, which is the definition of insanity. Right. Right. Over and over. Well, I think that was good, boys. I fully understand (laughs) transitioning from uh, winter to spring now. So what are you going to do different? Yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah, different. Now that, uh, now that well, you've heard I've, the talk and are convinced. Well, I'll tell you, first thing that I'm doing different is after almost a year of training in my backyard, I'm now back at the gym. So um, mm-hmm. I'm using, I'm doing exercises and, and using machines and things that I haven't used in a year. Great. And I absolutely love it. It's been great for you know, uh, my training has been great for my mind. I'm motivated. I think you need to get under um, 275 this year. Get down to 275? Yeah. Yeah, I think you do. You're hitting 50, I, man. There's you, not too many 300 pounders you'd have, that are over 50, you know. At 275, you'd have, ve- you'd have veins in your delts like Paul Dillette. You could do that. Could. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I am leaning out. I'm, I'm getting veins in my triceps now. I'm going to send oh, you dudes a picture. I keep cool. telling do you it. that. But do it. Do it. Do I'm it. waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm, I, wanted, I wanted to, you know, get in the gym a couple of months. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, you're, start. You're, fire, you're fired up, though. Fired up, man. I'm doing uh, my overhead presses, my bench press again. I'm back to Good. deadlifting. I'm doing there all that stuff. Just so, make, haste, make haste slowly. Yes. Yeah, because then you get hurt and we got to hear about it. And stay safe with the technique. The <laughs> techniques will keep you safe, right? You, you get hurt when you, when you stray outside the technique, right? 
That, well, that's exactly right. And I'm not going heavy on anything. I mean, Good. it's all about form for me. Yep. It's all about burning it out. I'm trying to increase the the mind muscle uh, connection there. Um, and just, you know, just trying to be smart about uh, my training. Because from, for, you know, for me, it's all about longevity and making sure I don't re-injure my back and, you know. Um, yeah. You know what I would do though? I would add in some sixes once in a while, like uh, on like, you know how you're doing like a Yates row or something like a machine where your back is secure. I'd yeah. load that thing up, man, and, and really keep that strength in there. You don't want to do too much. You know, you got to throw well, some fixes in there. You got to. You I'm doing. I'm. I'm doing low reps on my uh, my deadlift. My, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing fives on that. Okay. Bench. I'm doing. I, I'm be doing between six and, and eights. That's and then right. the over overhead presses. I'm doing uh, sixes. Yeah. Good. And then. It, and then squat, same about six, six to eight. But on my accessory stuff, I'm getting into the the higher rep. Yeah, uh, yeah, pumping well, it out. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, what I'm saying, maybe I'll, I'll rephrase this: is don't always try to do the making the deadlift feel heavy. Sometimes rip that thing off the floor like you're in a fight or flight kind of thing. Yeah. You know, um, go through. You have to have that, I think, in your arsenal as a as a human you know, that ability, like Marty was talking about when he couldn't chase his dog. Well, he <laughs> yeah. lost, his, he lost his ability to do something that we need as a, yeah. as a human, and that's yeah. to sprint. So then he started sprinting. Well, if you don't use it, you freaking lose it. So I yeah. would say, you know, do, do something, even if it's a, a, a supported exercise, but you're doing it explosively, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, you're exactly right. And I'm using all the intensity enhancers once in a while. I put those in and just trying to Keep everything fresh. Keep my body oh. confused. Oh, you should get a mini tramp and do reps. And then when the final rep, launch yourself into the pool. <laughs> Ain't no mini tramp's going to hold him, brother. <laughs> I hit the ground on a mini tramp. Yeah. Now at 275, you'll be limber. You'll be like a circuit Cirque du Soleil, man. I have my mini, my mini tramp has to have blue a man. It'll be like the blue man. <laughs> It ha my mini tramp has to have a deficit. I have to jack it up about six oh, inches on the bottom. Get one of those kids. Get drag one of those kids trampoline next to the pool. I'm Wouldn't that be great? Oh yeah, I'll do that if you guys come over this summer. I'll do it. Oh okay. Right. We'll have barbecue. We'll have we'll have smoke tri-tip. We'll have beer and trampoline. Did Did you say smoke tricep? Tri-tip. No, tri-tip. Oh okay. What's that? Steak? You don't know what tri-tip is? No, I don't know what tri-tip is. No. What? No, I don't either. Okay. Go ahead. Educate me instead of uh, ridiculing me. Go ahead. Well, out here, you know, out in Texas, I noticed it's brisket. Everything is brisket. Oh, well, we know brisket, baby. Yeah. Okay. Tri-tip. Well, I, I like brisket, but it's a little too fatty for me. Not for um, us. Not for us. Tri-tip is leaner. It's it's kind of how was I supposed to know what tri-tip was? Marty, did it's you kind know of what like, tri-tip was? Yeah, it's boring. It's a little well, like I tell you what, it's great to put on a smoker. And, and the tri-tips I get are usually about I don't, like I don't know, three or four pounds. You smoke them for a few hours on the, the green egg, and man, they're they're lean, they're leaner, certainly leaner than uh, than brisket. But uh, man, you can make some tri-tip sandwiches, uh, smoke that thing in there at a 
Absolutely. You know, so what temperature do we use? We use, uh, I think, about 250. Smoke it nice and low and long, and you get that that nice thick smoke ring going on that meat. When you cut it, you can see that smoke ring all the way around. You season it with some really good stuff. Um, we have a lot of, um, I Marty, we don't have the Mennonite butcher shops like you do, but uh, we have uh, local butcher shops that uh, just really good. You walk in and it's just a butcher shop. And we didn't have that in Southern California. If of you want something, go to Costco or, yeah or or ralph's or albertson's or something but um they have all that here so i'm taking advantage of it but uh yeah you guys come out i'll make you some some really good tri-tip no, that's okay that's all right that's right that's right we put we'll take the brisket with extra oh. fat extra fat please i'll make you a brisket too just yeah so take, do, do that we don't I, i'm an anti-lean guy i'm sort of an anti-lean jihadist uh, anything that's lean, it's like, give me the other, give me the rest of it that you were going to throw away. Tri-tip isn't like a fillet. It's not that lean. It's definitely got marbling in it, Okay, um, well, that's but, good. It's, but it's leaner. It's very mm -hmm. juicy. Mm -hmm. uh, you cook it, you get the, the inner temperature up to about uh, 125, 135, right about there. It's nice and pink in the middle. Beautiful. Yeah. What, I like, what I like to do is I like to have make enough to where I have tri tip for lunches for the next two or three days. Yeah. Well, you live right in the middle of uh, brisket nirvana. Yes. So it's um, you're at cross purposes. Um, again, when I go in to order brisket, I say, from the fatty side, please. <laughs> and can I have some of those burnt ends? Oh yeah. Yes, yeah. burn ins. Okay. Oh. So all right, we gotta end on this. We'll talk food hey, one all day. Uh, okay, go ahead. You wanna know what I'm reading? Yes, of course, always. So I'm reading Making Jack Falcone, which is a book by this former FBI agent who infiltrated uh the cartels, he infiltrated the Colombians, and he infiltrated the New York mob the right right after John Senior, John Gotti Senior got put away. Is good book, man. Making Jack Falcone. Yeah. He wasn't the gas station guy, was he? No, that's Michael Francis. Yes, that's he who I thought. Captain. No, this is an FBI guy going undercover. Oh, Michael okay. Francis, Michael Francis was in, was a captain in the uh, Columbus. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a clever guy. Yeah, he's a smart guy. But anyway, this is a this is a good book. I watched an interview with him on YouTube and bought the book. So excellent. Love that kind of Are there thing. any parts of that, Jim, that you can kind of funnel in as your uh, cardio training? <laughs> I'm confused. Like if these guys could do that, I could certainly do another 10 minutes of cardio. Nah, nah, it's not, it's not severe enough, man. It's not severe enough. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, you're kind of numb to that kind of stuff now. Like, yeah, it's like it's like watching, you know, dirty movies. You're just getting you it's gotta be dirty, <laughs> dirty you know what I mean? <laughs> Pretty soon you got to have a midget on a trampoline. Or, yeah. Eating brisket. <laughs> well, tri-tip. Eating tri-tip. Yeah. Try to get any reaction. Yeah. <laughs> With a, right. um, a Mexican wrestling match on. Hey, aren't you going to ask me what, what I'm watching? Yeah. Reading? What are you reading? I've been binge watching Narcos. First Great. The Colombian one and then Great. the Mexican Fantastic. one. And it's it's... 
it's interesting because it's in Spanish, it requires close watching. So I put the subtitles on. Yeah. And you just, you really have to sit and concentrate, but it's, it's great. Uh, the characters great, are strong. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, yeah, I just went back. I'd seen it before and was impressed by it, but I just said, you know what, I'm going to go back. And the first one follows the, um, Pablo Escobar. Yeah. Man, does he do a great job as an actor? That guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was great. So they're chasing him down, and then it, it morphed into the Cali cartel, and then finally into the uh, the Mexican godfather, the young guy who was great. He played a, played a great part. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, I just got into it and just went all the way through it and was strong all the way from beginning to end. Yeah. So, yeah, but I tore that thing up. It just finished. It's one of those things like, oh, no, it's over. Have you watched Peaky Blinders? Yeah, of course. I love that. It's a fantastic. And I heard they're filming another uh, season. Yeah, they should. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that deserves uh, repetition. But uh, right now we're kind of starved for it. I found another one called Intelligence, <clears throat> which is very good. It's uh, British. And... Um, no, it's Canadian, actually. It's Canadian, about Canadian gangster. So it's called Intelligence. I couldn't tell you. All the actors are unknown, but it's, it's quite tricky and well-written. I, uh, I look for things that engage me as a writer because I can usually predict, my wife is even better at predicting exactly where it's going to go within the first, yeah. what, six minutes yeah. of watching it. And so we, we look for uh, tricky, different, unusual things which have uh, offbeat or different endings. Oh, you know what I saw, Jim? I don't know if for some reason it reminded me of you a little bit. Uh -oh. Is I is I resaw Sexy Beast. Did you ever What's see that? that? No. Now listen, Sexy Beast with Ben Kingsley. And the, yeah, if you haven't seen that, yeah, you got to pull that up. Yeah, ben Kingsley plays the weirdest, strangest gangster of all time and genuinely scary guy. And it's like, it's Gandhi. Yeah, Gandhi, ben Kingsley, huh? Gandhi's freaking us out. Gandhi's so weird. And he shaves his head. And, oh, man, he is. By the end of it, it's like, someone kill him. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sexy, sexy beast. You'll thank me for it. And there's a guy in there. He's a very strong English actor. He's in uh, Kingsley Donnie. And they go, uh, don't don't get Donnie angry or or he'll slash someone. So but it's, it's, Dang, it's, it's Kingsley, huh? Yeah, it's very clever because ultimately it's a bank heist, but it's a very clever bank heist. So anyway, you got to you got to watch Easy Money. You're going to be watching Easy Money. Right. Easy Money with Rodney Dangerfield and Joe Pesci, Pesci, right? All right. Yeah. Joe Pesci. All right. So good. And try tip for everyone. Absolutely. <laughs> Love that stuff. Great, buddy. All right. All right. Good. All right. That was good. Put a, put a fork in it. Yeah. So for anybody wanting to uh, check out some of Marty's uh, uh, writings on our, our yeah. website, he's got a weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher. Go to ironcompany.com. There's a button at the top, articles and podcasts. You can click on there. Um, you can also access the podcast from there. And uh, um, yeah. 
it's all good stuff. And if you're in, in need of equipment, listen, we've got a whole lot of stuff in stock right now. Uh, we've been ordering container after container. If you're looking for really good quality stuff, um, I usually design all this stuff myself because I've been selling this stuff for so long, for about 25 years. So I've basically taken everything I like from what I've seen in other brands and all that and, and uh, for performance and durability and, and feel and all that and put it into our stuff like our urethane dumbbells and uh, bumper plates. But we've got all this stuff in stock. If you're looking for uh, Olympic plates, we've got tons of urethane grip plates in stock. Olympic bars, power bars, lots of dumbbells, rubber hex dumbbells, urethane hex dumbbells. And the thing we just brought in a lot of uh, recently is sanitizing wipes, you know, for the gym, for your hands. Um, there's a big shortage. There has been a big shortage going on. And we've been selling sanitizing wipes for years and years. We sell a lot to the government, schools, uh, commercial gyms, but we've got our own brand out there just like our equipment. You know, I took everything I knew about the, the wipes that we've been selling for years and years, everything that was good, the, the thickness, the uh, amount of saturation, the scent, all that, we put it into ours. Uh, they're at a great price. So check out the, the Iron Company sanitizing wipes. We've got them in refill rolls for uh, wall and floor dispensers. And then we've got uh, canisters coming out, which I think will be real good for law enforcement and um, should, first responders. You should, you should see if you could get a Kirk Karwaski signature series. For the wipes? Yeah. Yeah, he would do it. He would love that. He'd be great. <laughs> show him wiping his hands saying. A commercial. Yeah, sh yeah, show him wiping his hands going, you better buy this. No, to say it'll have a picture of him on the side of the canister with a hashtag, I want to hold it. On there. <laughs> That's good. good. That's good, good buddy. That's yeah. good. Very good. <laughs> All right. So Jim Steele's got articles uh, that he sends us once in a while, once a month. His current one is called No Excuses. It's yeah. about, uh, you know, all the excuses. Not but yeah. not having excuses either either you're on the boat or you're off the boat right yeah and the next one which i'll have to do next week is about uh this guy who wants to transform himself he had a come to jesus moment and uh he's 35 years old he calls up his uncle who was a former lifter and bodybuilder and all that and his uncle sets him straight and gets his diet going so i'm going to go through the whole process with the diet the the training and all that stuff and everything he needs to do to transform so he's got a it's getting ready for a college reunion. Okay. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, and last week we had on Brian, uh, one of your trainees, and I thought that was very interesting. He had some good information. It was interesting to see how the online training uh, goes from the trainee's point of view. You know, we're always yeah. hearing it from your your guys' point of view, but how he got started, the, where where he started, the gains he's made, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He does good information. Job. Yeah. Um, and then you've got your own website called boss barbell. That's B A S barbell.com. Anything this, you want this to talk week about I on there? Up, I'm going to put up a column every Thursday. And this week was a, a story about when I was coaching down North Carolina and I got inebriated and the, the hijinks and that went on <laughs> one night. Uh -huh. Yeah. Gotta be hijinks, uh -huh. Always. Oh, that you can't mention on this PG show. 
No, no, it was, it was, I don't want to tell the article if you're going to read the article, but it's a, mm. a story about me getting inebriated and what happens afterwards. Okay, <laughs> well. <clears throat> All right. I'll and to look that up. And finally, if you're looking to get involved in online training, um, you know, think about Jim, think about Marty. Let's uh, go, had, man. Had, Let's had go. Brian on last <laughs> week talking about it. Ready. Let's go. It's cheap and it's worth it. Let's go. Yeah. And look, I haven't talked to any of your, your trainees, but Brian is very, very happy with the gains he's making. You hold him accountable. I mean, it's a full circle sort of thing. And I mean, he's, he's, he's getting out of it what he wants and more. So it's a great investment in yourself for sure. And you know what, as somebody that's been there in the beginning, and we've all done it, we've all wasted probably years of, of training uh, yeah. in some capacity, doing the wrong things, doing too much, not, you know, you can avoid all that, a lot of it, and just hook up with one of these guys and get started on the right foot right away. And uh, like I said, it's, it's a great investment. If you're wanting to gain strength and muscle as quickly as your self is able to do it, um, think about uh, hiring one of these guys. Just contact Marty at Marty at ironcompany.com or Jim at Jim at ironcompany.com. Got it. All right. That's it. Thank All you. Right. Great right. one, guys. Talk to you next week. Yeah. See you. Bye.